higher for you for bulletins, so we're not trying to bore you to tears with bulletins but or with announcements. But I want to highlight one announcement that Chaplain Jerry St. Pierre received a notification this last Tuesday morning of his father-in-law's passing away. And so he was able to go home quickly and he's asked if he could stay with his family. So that's been granted through the leadership here at the base. And we're thankful for that. We'll miss Jerry. Thank you for keeping him and his wife, Misty, and their children, Joshua, Josiah, and Romea, in your prayers. And uh, as he ministers to the Gaines family and uh, God does all things well. Amen. If you're there, Acts chapter 2. I'm not there. I am now. Acts chapter 2. Will you stand for the reading of the word, please? That's good. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in the bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own, lang in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And so, Lord, this morning on Pentecost Sunday, we're asking again, what does it mean? What's it mean for us? Has it changed? This work, the, the deposit, the gift of your Holy Spirit in our lives, is it still working? Is he working in us like in this early first church? Lord, if not, we ask that you will move again. This is our simple and humble prayer. We pray in the awesome name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You can tell a lot about a person by their speech. You can tell about where they're from, from England, Australia, United States, from Texas, from New Orleans, or from uh, Maryland. You can tell a lot about their demeanor. You can tell about their emotions, whether they're having a good day, their bad day. They're angry, they're sad, they're happy, they're joyful. You can even tell about their education. Reminded of a young man who was walking across the courtyard at Harvard University, and he asked another student, he said, hey, where is the uh, science lab at? The student said, here at Harvard. We don't end our sentences or questions with a preposition. So the young man said, oh, he said, where is the science lab at Knucklehead? <laughs> we are taught, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Out of our words, we tell a lot about the heart, out of the abundance of heart, the scripture says the mouth speaks. We know a lot about a person by what they're using for words. James chapter 3 says this, 
With the tongue, we praise our God and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So when Jesus told his disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said that one of the signs of the end of the age would be what? They would speak in new tongues. Now, you know, we come from a very diverse background, religious background right here. And there are people bracing themselves right now. They're sitting, they're holding on the side of their seat. They're thinking, where is this chaplain going to go with these tongues? Because we're very divided. We have, we're just going to start another church right now. Maybe have another chapel service because we're all disagreeing on this one thing. I want to present something about this new tongue that probably, I don't doubt that anyone will agree with me, but that you probably haven't looked at it this way before. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach with all your might, and if necessary, use words. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So it's my actions, yes, and then the words, my speech, but people are always watching you, me, to see. So you call yourself Christian, because I just didn't know it. I mean, you just act like everybody else. And that's my caution this morning. I don't want to get into Christian behaviorism. That Christians, we don't talk, we don't smoke or chew or go with girls who do. That's not the point. That's not to say, hey, we're all just going to be a little better, behave ourselves a little bit, because that's another gospel. My point this morning is this, that when God's Holy Spirit comes into your and my life, you will be different. I can't help it. You can't help it because God's Holy Spirit is doing a work from the inside out. Colossians 4 says this, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone for the hope that, was, that is within you. It's going to come the heart on out through your mouth. And the way that you and I speak, people are going to say, you know, can I ask you a question? There's something different about you. Or the old James that I used to know, you're a different James. Because the old James I used to know, you know, he talked differently. In missionaries that were in Ecuador, when they're trying to talk to the natives about receiving Christ into their heart, the natives just did not understand that. That did not make any sense to them. But when they began to realize that everything for the Ecuadorians and these natives, rather, was about into the mouth because all their food they ate, everything else, this is sustenance, this is staying alive, then they began to understand that you receive Christ into your mouth. Now you and I say, well, that's not quite right. Well, if that's the heart, because it's actually, this is in the mouth where you're going to end up having to have Christ work and do regenerative work as well. I was in Baghdad some years ago, and uh, I worked in the Joint Operations Center, and there was this very beautiful Lieutenant Marine. And the thing that was so mystifying to me was that when she opened her mouth, the four-letter words that she could string together, I had never heard anything like that before. I mean, shocking. I mean, so here I thought at one point, she's very pretty. The next moment I thought, who is that? So when my mom says, hey, mom, son, are you meeting any nice people there in Baghdad? Oh, yes, mom. 
Have you met any nice uh, girls? Oh, oh yeah. Anything that you're in, anyone that you're really interested? Uh, you know, would you like to bring any of those home? Not for a while. <laughs> Not for a while. Acts chapter 2 says, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in new tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. See, I believe that God wants to work in your tongue that you already know before he gives you a new tongue. Corinthians 13 verse 1 says this, if I speak of the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I mean, so you have this tongue of men and tongue of angels, and you and I are saying, I want this angelic tongue. By the way, I, I'm from a, an assemblies or from a denomination that, hey, we are all about the tongues. That is cool. But my point this morning is that before you get this angelic tongue, let's let God do the regenerative, the new work on this old English language that you and I are supposed to be knowing so well. So how do I get the new tongue? How does this all happen? Well, it's as simple as this, garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat. One Easter Sunday, the children's pastor had all the little kids stand down, come down the front for the children's sermon, and the children's pastor said, Susie, I noticed that you have a brand new dress. That's a very beautiful dress. And little Susie said, oh, my daddy bought this for me. And my mama says, it's a bleep to iron. Now, where did she learn to talk like that, huh? Where did she learn? Well, she's heard mamas talk about how hard it is to iron this dress. Garbage in, garbage out. John chapter 14 says this. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. See, I need to take time just to study God's word, read that word. If I really am serious about this devotional walk, if I really serious about knowing him and being transformed into his image, taking time for that word to regenerate and transform my life. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. I know that you and I have a different learning quotient. There are some people that here in this room that are very bright. You pick up languages like this. Your aptitudes are just like your... That, you understand that. You read that book one time and you've got it. You all understand. Some of us have to read it two, three times. And if it's Air War College or Air Command or some other PME, you have to read it maybe five, six times because it doesn't. it's like eating rocks. It's really hard. The Bible says that God has given us his Holy Spirit. So is this cheating? No. He, he says you need, some of us, we need this Holy Spirit to God. It's John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or helper, paraclete, to be with you forever. This is the spirit of the truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be with you. This is Pentecost Sunday. This is the Sunday that we celebrate the, the Old Testament Jews celebrated the giving of the Pentateuch, the first five books, Pentateuch, of the five books of the, of the uh, Law of Moses. When they poured out, uh, when the church, now when we celebrate the pouring of God's Holy Spirit upon this early church or the birth of the church. But there are so many splits, huh? We disagree about this Holy Spirit, what he's supposed to be doing, whether he's living in lives or not. Joel chapter 2 says this. I will pour out my spirit on old and young, men and women, slave and free. Can you imagine? This is an economy. This is, 
This is 500 years be before the birth of Messiah, but this prophet was saying that the Holy Spirit will not be given just to a, a king or to a priest here or to a certain prophet there, indiscr you know, very discriminately. It's going to be poured upon all who believe. You and I need that. To so say that the same spirit that was in Elijah the prophet is in me. The same spirit that was in Deborah the prophetess or the, the judge is in you. I will pour out my spirit. This is the truth. Beyond all the divisions, all the separations, John 14, 23 says this. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we'll, we will come to them and make our home with them. God's spirit is in you. Right? Is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. And John 14, 26 says this. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So what's the reason for this amazing gift? What happens? What's the evidence? The first evidence that happened to this New, New Testament church or to the at the day of Pentecost, all these different nationalities there in, in Jerusalem, what did they notice? They said this. We hear them in Acts chapter 2. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? The psalmist says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I am very convinced that if God's Holy Spirit is in you, the words out of your mouth is one of the first evidences of your sonship. Again, not Christian behaviorism. I know you'll have a bad day. I know sometimes you'll be angry. I know sometimes you just can't believe you, you did so poorly, whatever. But over and over, your speech is going to be evidence because he has worked, he has given you a new tongue. I saw firsthand this happen in a man by the name of Ernie Gertis. Ernie Gertis was a truck driver, over-the-road truck driver, ran fuels, and he was an alcoholic, and he was an abuser and a bad man, a bad father. I was friends with his son, Kevin. And when God came into Ernie's life, the first thing that that whole family noticed was that his language changed. I mean, not just the cussing, just not just the anger and the bitterness and the derogatory remarks, but God did a work in Ernie's life. I saw that. I, I just can't think, you know, sometimes we say, well, you know, I just... Christians don't talk like that. Well, it's not just that. It's that God changes the heart and there's a different, there's a different heart behind that voice. Philippians chapter, chapter 4 verse, says, verse 8 says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think on these things. You are what you think. You speak what you're thinking about. I mean, so when a person is, is angry, I mean, when your person is letting off those kind of, it's just out of the overgrowth of their heart. It's what they've been thinking about. I love the story of the children's church little boys. The, everyone's being kind of quiet, or the Sunday school lesson, rather, ever being, everyone's kind of quiet. The teacher said, right, just to get the kids started, she said, so uh, let me ask a question. What has four legs, 
climbs trees, eats nuts, and has fur. The little boy said, I really want to say squirrel, but my mom says Jesus is always the answer. <laughs> I hope that what comes out of it, what may be natural, you're thinking at this point, I would just really want to let off with some steam here, but what comes off because there's an answer in you, Jesus Christ, there's a different answer this next time. It's like, hey, thank God, next, there's another day. So what happens, what, what happens to a person who has lost everything? Given everything, you've lost, you had it all and you lost it all, including your health. But you still have God's spirit. What's the evidence of that person? What does that person have to say? This is my closing verse. Job chapter one. This man who had everything, I mean, you and I would be envious of Job he lost it all. Bible says in Job, got up, he tore his robe, shaved his head, just lost his children, his family, his whole farm, multi, multi-billionaire, lost it all. He fell to the ground in worship and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. If you can say that, you can only say that because God's spirit is in you. You can only say that something like that when you find out you have leukemia and you're gonna, you have a six-month prognosis. You say, my life is not my own. My life belongs to God. You can only say that when all the worst things in life happen to you and you end up thinking, God, I, I didn't think I was going to live forever anyway, so, Lord, my life... If, however I can be you can be glorified in my life. That you can only say because the God's spirit is in your heart. So this Sunday morning, we celebrate Pentecost, but I'm thinking it's not just the Sunday, it's tomorrow. It's every day. It's next Sunday. You and I cannot live this Christian life without God's Holy Spirit living and breathing and working in your life. We're not celebrating the Holy, the, the Holy Spirit. We're celebrating God's work by his Holy Spirit in our lives. There's sometimes I think, you know, we end up saying something like this, I got this. You ain't got nothing. Outside of me, Jesus said, John chapter 15, you can do nothing. I thought I was pretty good. You got nothing. So we end up saying, God, I really need you. I need you to do, I need to be responsive to your Holy Spirit. I need to listen to the Holy Spirit. I need to wait on the Holy Spirit. I can't live without your Holy Spirit working, living, and breathing in me. My family depends upon that. These people are going to go home in a couple of months, a couple of days, a couple of weeks. Who knows how long they're... But we're all going to go back home to be with family. And, and it, it, while we're here, we ask that you would work in us by your Holy Spirit. Do what you want to, what you need to do. A new work, a new hunger, a new passion, something like we had years ago that we've just kind of let it die out. But your spirit has just been, the embers are still there. And so, like the prophecies, we rekindle that love. Your spirit is still there, Lord. It hasn't left us. We long for something like days of yore. Something fresh. 
Lord, that love, that passion, that zeal, that, that joy, when we open up the word and it comes alive to us, we, tears well up in our eyes because it tastes so good. Lord, and these people and their families pour out your Holy Spirit anew. This is our simple, this is our single prayer. Amen.